most wonderful show is Keeping up with the Joneses. AJ Jones. Yes, dear. How the heck are you? I'm okay. How are your green thumbs? Well, we're, we don't know if they're green yet. It's undecided whether they're green or black, but we're hoping they're green. What? I've never heard of a black thumb. Is that when you have the plague? A black thumb is like when you can kill any living plant, which has been my history. But I have had herbs for the last two years. Do Canadians pronounce it herbs or herbs? Herbs. This is just Americans that do... That drop the perfectly good H. Yes. Do all Americans do? Is it just one part of America? I have no idea, actually. So, yes, you've been in the garden practically all weekend. I have. And you've got raised gardens. I do. I uh, spent a couple days weeding them on my own, and then I got reinforcements for weeding on Friday and Saturday. I think it's unfair that you say that you spent a couple of days weeding them on your own, because every time I looked at the window, you had vast amounts of help from... Tia and MJ and Abby. Yes. I can only imagine the assistance they would lend. They are so helpful uh, that I had to go back through the sections that they were weeding in quotation marks and try and salvage it. They just loosened up for you. That's all that was. Sure. Let's go with that. So let's recap this week. You were mostly working on gardens towards the end of this week. What was at the beginning of this week? Well, Lyle Phillips spoke at m and I love that guy. He's lovely. I love when he preaches. Mm-hmm. Every time Lyle speaks, I feel something in my heart. Conviction, encouragement, shame, condemnation. Just, <laughs> just kidding. So Only good stuff. I love That's when Lyle so ministers. Um, and you spoke on the fivefold. I did. I, I taught on the fivefold ministry at SOSL this week, which is a fascinating topic because it's brand new to me, mm-hmm. but I enjoyed doing that. And then the rest of the week was just normal meetings and better meetings. Yep. And then we had an Easter party for the kids on Saturday. Yep, Easter egg hunt. I told Tia my tactics. Yes, you did. You told her your your keys to success. Which I don't want to repeat on the podcast because then other parents will pass it on. Right, and then their kids are going to do what our kid does and then we mm-hmm. won't get all the eggs. Well, then it will get nasty. It will turn into a fight club. Cage because, fighting for Well, I told Tia, you know what, if they get in your way, just cut them. Mow them down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we had dinner at Vui's, didn't we? You love that place. I do. I do, I do. We introduced so. some friends to Vietnamese food. Yep. And then this morning, Easter service with baptisms, plus incredible worship. Oh, I love baptisms. Plus weeping. Yes. I cried in worship. It was amazing. Oh, it was amazing. It was very, very good, yeah. All right, our topic for this week. Is. I thought we talked on it before, but I did a quick search and we had not. You're kidding me. No. Are you sure? Yeah, for something that we do on a regular basis. You would have thought we've talked about it by now. I would have. I know, but we haven't, so let's. Okay. All right. Confrontation. Confrontation. I remember Danny Silk teaching on the culture of honor, which everybody loves. And he was saying that a culture of honor can't exist without a culture of confrontation. Yes. Because if all I do is tell everybody in my community they're awesome, I never actually help them grow. True. Which is why confrontation is so helpful. Now, confrontation has had a terrible reputation. Well, and that's because people think that confrontation means conflict. And do you think that's because historically the two look the same? As in, if you don't know how to confront yeah. well, yeah. do you just come across as combative and yes? Because I for a think fight? people get super nervous when they need to actually confront, and sometimes because of that, the defensiveness makes it into something it doesn't need to be. Right. Whereas what we found is that confrontation is simply loving someone enough to point out where their behavior is causing friction, which is removing favor. 
So it's, it's anything, yeah. it's bringing to the surface anything that is degrading the strength of a connection and relationship. Right. I think it's funny that a lot of people in relationships will put up with pain because they don't want to rock the boat, so to speak. Yeah, it's amazing. They'll put up with it for years and years and years. And so my first question when we find that dynamic happening in a relationship is, what sort of relationship do you have? Right. And is that the one that you want? And aren't you worth more than that? Yeah, like why would you want to be part of a relationship that you have no voice in? Right. It's worthy of asking, like, why are so many people volunteering for poor relational health? I don't know, except that most people don't actually like uh, confrontation or conflict or rocking the boat. So we'd rather have low-grade relationship than no relationship? Is that what it is? Well, which is funny because you're actually not having a real relationship if you're not willing to confront in the first place. Right, it's pretty fraudulent. Right. You're, yeah. That's that's alien to me. I know, darling. (laughs) (laughs) God bless you. Chris Valentin has this great line. He says, what you don't confront, you condone. So when we, when we refuse to confront that which is bothering us, we're basically training other people how to treat us. That's correct. And what that means is the longer that you leave the confrontation, the heavier the ship becomes that you're trying to turn. That's a weird metaphor. Well, give an example. So for example... If I've been married to you for seven years, and then after seven years say, hey babe... Can I bring something to your attention? Like, I I just, I hate toast for breakfast and every morning you make toast for me. And I'm just wondering why you would make toast for me. And, you know, I just, every morning I don't want to get up and eat breakfast. The first question you should ask is... Why didn't you tell me that day one <laughs> as opposed to seven years in? <laughs> right. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I just didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to upset you. And you're trying so hard to be a good wife. And now that's obviously a frivolous example. But right. if I'm bringing it up after seven years, you've got every right to go... Uh, is this a recent development or is this a real issue? So our encouragement is to confront as quickly as possible. Yeah. And again, even that example is a great um, example of why confrontation is a huge C word in some people's heads. And we're talking about something that's a small C word. Right. It's just being able to live powerfully communicating when something has actually bothered you. So that doesn't have to grow into a beast. Right. Can you imagine what our marriage would be like if both of us were too scared to tell the other person how we were feeling? Quieter. <laughs> Touche. But really, the quality of our relationship... Would be dreadful. Right. It's a relationship made up of two people trying to please the other person without ever getting any feedback whether their efforts are working or not. Here's the thing. With both of us, we know how the other person is feeling because we also know that if you're doing something that's upsetting to the other one, you're going to hear about it. And that's the irony of the whole thing. Right. We don't want to confront with our words, but we'll use nonverbal communication that subtly by osmosis, we hope the other person picks up, change your behavior, change your behavior, which is so passive. Change your behavior, I'll stab you in your sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Luke chapter 17. This is Jesus in his relationship model. He says, watch yourselves. There's, There's a nice starter. If your brother or your sister sins against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. So evangelicals are great at focusing on the repent and forgive part, but I don't think I've ever heard anybody teach on the rebuke part. Like, we've just glossed over that part. Like, until Dan Farrelly came and taught this passage to us, we were like, oh, Jesus does say rebuke. Rebuke is basically going and confronting. Right. And so we like to think about 
the repenting and forgiving because that can be done in private. But the rebuking part, it means you actually go to somebody and say, hey, I, can I give you some feedback? Or, hey, I felt really upset. Or, I felt really hurt when you did. Or, hey, could I just tell you how I'm experiencing you? That sort of stuff. Right. And it requires exceptional bravery. But again, we want to be in relationships where we're fostering this this open environment where people can give us the feedback we so very much need to hear. Right. And again, if you're doing... If you're doing that confrontation when things start happening, it's a much lighter, nicer conversation than if you allow something to go on and on and on to the point where now you feel, I don't know, defiled or super right. angry or whatever. And now you're not having a nice, light conversation. Now you're having a full on conflict. Right. But it would have been possible to just have a nice, you know, confrontation and, and clear communication in the beginning. Yeah. It's amazing how many people will sacrifice short term pain thinking is not going to blow up in their face, mm-hmm. right? I, if I can avoid the pain of confronting you, I'm sure it will all work out, we say yeah, in, in imagination. But a lot of people just do put up, put up, put up, blow up. Sure. Not pretty. Well, I think that's probably the reason that divorce rate is so high. Oh, thanks. Let's talk about that. Just kidding. Okay. <laughs> so, AJ Jones, how do you confront? So there's three steps. You connect first, then you ask questions, and then you present your observation of the problem. That sounds way too complex. Let's break down the steps. So when you say connect first, talk to me about this connecting thing. Well, presumably you're actually confronting this person because you want to maintain relationships. So you have some sort of relationship to maintain. Right. So you're either friends or they're your spouse or they're your child or so, et cetera, et cetera. So um, you just want to genuinely connect with them and let them know that you want to talk to them about something and you want their opinion on it. Right. And this step isn't like a buffer or like a warm up, you know, to check the temperature of the pool or anything. You're genuinely connecting. I forget who it was that said that you can't drive a three ton truck of correction over a one ton bridge of relationship. Right. So, you know, make sure there's enough relational equity there. But yeah, you're connecting first. You're 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 basically asking for their opinion on your opinion. Like later on, that's what the confrontation is. And it also establishes some vulnerability, doesn't it? Right. So I think it's good. So that's number one, connect first. Number two, you're asking questions. Mm -hmm. Why do we do that? Well, you're kind of asking their permission to speak into an area of their life or to speak into a situation that's happened that's actually affecting both of you. Right. We've got our friend, um, Betsy Kilstra, who's got this great line. She's, you know, she's as sweet as can be and as sharp as can be. And she says, if I saw something hurting you, would you want me to tell you about it? I mean, how are you going to say no to that? Right, right. But basically, yeah, when you when you ask questions, you're genuinely inviting somebody else into the discussion. Like, yeah. again, these aren't party tricks. These aren't like control sales techniques, you're, you're genuinely wanting permission. So I often use things like, hey, could you help me understand? Like that's my, that's a golden line. Can you help me understand why you thought it was a great idea to go away as a boyfriend and girlfriend for the weekend together? Like, can you help me understand? Like when you post that to Instagram, are you aware of like what that's doing? Or... Could you clarify for me, like last time we saw each other, it felt like I might have hurt you. You felt really withdrawn. Am I out to lunch on that? Again, you're just, you're asking questions. Right. And then the last step is you just present an observation of the problem. Right. You're basically saying, hey, this is how I felt. Am I out to lunch? Or the classic, hey, can I tell you how I experienced you? 
Like, oh, you need to be really brave to say yes to that one. But here's the thing. When we're doing this confrontation, more often than not, we're confronting behavior. Right. Not their character or their person. But most times the person receiving it feels like we're judging their motive or their character or, you know, something else. Right. So you have to work overtime. And the phrase that I tend to use is, I want to talk about some behavior that is absolutely not in line with what I know your heart to be. Right. And I'm not sure if you know that you're doing this. And that's actually why we're confronting them, isn't it? Because it isn't in line with who we know them to be. So it causes confusion or friction. Right. Because you're not going to confront somebody who's doing behavior that you know it actually is who they are because you already know that about them. Right. But I think of the benefit I've had when you and some... You know, some of my close friends and our leaders in our lives have said to me, hey, Alan, are you aware that you come across like this? And of course I'm not aware that I'm right. coming across like this, because if I did, I would modify my behavior. So it's really helpful input. Um, and that's basically it. You're connecting, you're asking questions, you're presenting an observation of the problem. The goal is not to think, I have to win. Right. You win by opening your mouth in love. You do not win by them falling at your feet saying, oh, would you please forgive me? Because sometimes people won't be able to see it and, and are either thinking, no, I don't see that, or hey, I need to go away and pray about it. Or, But but the win is you risking the relationship you have for one that might be better. Right. One of the verses I pray often, Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Like smiling remembering that love is the goal, all of that does wonders at lowering the anxiety through the whole process. Right. So when is a bad time to confront? Tuesdays. Yeah. Tuesdays at like four. We have this this saying in our community that a terrible time to, to pretty much do anything, but especially any level of confrontation is when you're in a state of HALT, H-A-L-T. That stands for hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Right. You're never going to be at your best when you're in one of those four things. Right. So even the most well-planned confrontation, if you are in halt, is probably not going to go well. Abort, abort, abort. Exactly. Wait a day, you know, get some sleep, get some food, get some perspective, and then come back. And the other thing is, like, for example, on Saturday night, we went out for some dinner with our friends. We were not going out to confront. We're going to hang out. But I realized we'd worked out in the yard all afternoon. I get in the car and I'm thinking, I have no energy to connect with people I love. So I recognized, oh, I'm in the hungry stage. Yeah. Again, this isn't confrontation. This is just friendship. And I just said to them, guys, I'm so sorry. If I seem withdrawn, I promise you, as soon as I eat something, I'll be much better. Mm-hmm. And right enough, as soon as I had some food in me, I was like, oh, and, and, and I'm back. And they had their taser ready in case the, that wasn't the case. But, exactly. You know, but yeah, if that's yeah. you on a good day, hungry, not being able to perform, imagine throwing in the anxiety of having to do a confrontation. Right. So just say no to that. Just say no. When is a good time to confront? Mm. I'm not sure there's ever a good time to confront. <laughs> I mean, we could make excuses forever to not bring confrontation. Absolutely. So I think you have to just choose a time and confront. Right. And often our leaders, you know, when we're setting them up, like, and we're training them how to confront, we're saying, okay, you're going to go do that. How was it? And they come back and they're like, oh, you know, it just didn't seem like a good time. And we encourage them like, hey, there's never a good time. You just, you know, want to get out there and do it. Now, obviously, 
if somebody's going through crisis or loss, not a good time to confront. But the genuinely bad times to confront are fewer than you would actually think. Right. And our encouragement to people is it's a skill you learn. The reason you don't want to do it is you're not practiced at it. And the only way to get practiced at it is to do it. Right. And remember that kindness is really vital in the process. So you need to actually smile. It lowers the anxiety in the room and it helps people to realize, hey, you're not mad at me. You're actually loving right. me enough to bring up something that that can be fixed because God in the midst of anything can bring resolution. Absolutely. Absolutely. So here's our encouragement for you this week. Ask the Lord about any friction in your relationships. So just do a relationship audit with the Holy Spirit. And if you've been listening to this, probably people have already come to mind. You're probably thinking, oh, yeah, I do need to confront that person. And so ask the Lord, like, when is a good time to confront? Come up with a game plan. Think about our three-step process, connecting, asking questions, presenting an observation of the problem, and then action the game plan. Yeah. It's honestly going to produce incredible results in your relationships. Now, next week, we're going to talk to you about how to receive confrontation, a task that's just as vital and possibly harder than initiating confrontation. So join us next week for part two of this topic. Yes. Like this episode? Well, we have plenty more like it. Head on over to alanandaj.com and that's A-L-Y-N-A-N-D-A-J.com to hear more. Yeah, I'm thanking my parents every day that they spell my name uniquely, A-L-Y-N. If you've got a question to ask us, head to alanandaj.com slash ask or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. I'm at Alan, A-L-Y-N, or at underscore A-J Jones. As ever, show notes are available at alanandaj.com slash 147. We pray that you have an amazing week full of adventure, full of glory, full of kindness. And we'll be back here next week, same time, same place. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God the things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Alan and AJ, keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, sharing their life experiences. Keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, they talk about faith in God and everything under the sun. If you are a human being, There's something here for everyone